In November 2022, the World Health Organization renamed monkeypox to Mpox. This was in order to fight stigmatization surrounding the name. Combating shame and stigma surrounding Mpox is one of the primary goals of this series. As this was recorded prior to this change, this episode will feature references to the original name. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to What the Pox. The podcast talking about monkeypox without shame or stigma. Whilst also looking at the wider issues facing the LGBTQIA community. Back in episode 4, I spoke with Matthew Todd. About, well, shame. Matthew spoke about the wider impacts and legacy of gay shame. One of the topics that we spoke about was sex. And how sometimes, as a result of our experiences we can develop really unhealthy relationships with things such as body image and sex. What the Pox is a Queer AF production, and a few years ago, they commissioned me to make an episode of their podcast, looking at my relationship to food and disordered eating. The whole experience was huge for me. It gave me a chance to talk to others that had their own difficult relationships with food and their bodies, and really helped me to address my own issues. About a year later, I created a follow-up episode about relationships and sex. I wanted to find out if I needed to be in a relationship to be truly happy. However, as I began to speak to people, I started to uncover more. I started to really look at my own behavior and ultimately address the shame that I felt around sex. Two years on from this, Whilst I've moved on a lot, creating this series and talking about monkeypox, it has occurred to me that, well, everything we've covered in that episode, well, it's totally relevant now. So I wanted to share it with you. In the coming weeks, we've got some really big interviews and insights from the World Health Organization, an Oxford University-backed study into potential new monkeypox treatments. Plus, we're going to unpack queer sex even further. But for now, here's my episode from the British Podcast Award-winning series, Queer AF Season 4, where I answer the question, how can you be queer, single, and happy? Last year on this podcast, I opened up about my own mental health. I had a huge response from LGBT people saying that they also struggled with self-worth. According to UK LGBT rights charity Stonewall, half of LGBT people have said that they have experienced depression in the last year. I wonder, how much of an impact is this having on our love lives? So I make podcasts and my favorite topic to discuss is dating. 
I have spent the last two years sitting with two friends discussing and poking fun at my own dating life. The other day I messaged him, so when are we hanging out again? Do <laughs> you want to know what his response was? I'm yeah, nervous. Of course. I moved to Berlin. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was that it? <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so that's done. <laughs> and while I do enjoy regaling my friends with the stories of my dating mishaps, and I personally like the act of going out for dinner and meeting new people, is it fair to still be dating when I'm ultimately still working on my own mental health? And is it fair to be going on these dates when I currently don't see it going any further than boyfriends? And maybe even less. Someone who I know has dealt with their own turbulent love life whilst working actively on their own mental health is my friend, James Barr. Last night, drunkenly tell him that I loved him. Okay. But... Have you soberly retracted it? No. <laughs> James no, is the host of a gay and a non-gay podcast, the Hits Radio Breakfast Show, and one half of your Student Pride main stage presenting duo. I feel like a lot of the time when we're dating people, we're just enjoying ourselves and the person we are becoming when we're with them, or at least that's what I was doing. So I was always trying to date people who had better family than me so I could do that instead because it would be easier than worrying about my own shit. So I'd, I'd date people who I felt had things that I didn't have. So a mum and dad together or a bigger house, like really stupid shit like that. I was trying to follow a script, a storyline, so that I could fall in love with myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like you're trying to level up a bit. I guess I was trying to level up. I was trying to make myself happier by dating someone. So I was like dating into situations rather than actually finding myself. I would try and do it through other people. And I would change a lot about who I was as well to be with someone. I used to go out and have sex with like over 10 guys in a night, I'd go to sex parties and not be taking prep or using a condom because I suppose I didn't care about myself. So again, during a really low period, I was just like legs in the air at a naked party somewhere in Brooklyn to, to knowingly go into it, realizing that I'm only doing it because I feel shit about who I am. Yeah, and the fact that you were, could be damaging yourself. In yeah, process. I like consciously went in going, well, I can't get a boyfriend, no one loves me, so I'll do this instead. That was literally the thought as I walked in. I remember it clear as day. So I couldn't even blame it on drink because it, it wasn't really. It was a genuine decision. It was destructive behavior. I, I would, Yeah, I, I decided to do something destructive. After that, I started taking prep so that I was overriding my mental health. And that if I then put myself in a situation like that again, at least I knew I had a backup because I was taking prep. So I did a show in Edinburgh called Thirst Trap, which was all about dating. And I would date people on stage and literally have them reject me in front of an audience of people. <laughs> like active self-harm on <laughs> Which stage. is so funny, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, active self-harm, because I was trying to find the one and I was desperately single and the apps weren't working. So I thought, you know what, screw it. I'll just date people in the audience. But the whole comedy of it was that they reject me because I would never want to bully anyone. Um, so... Yeah, that was my show. And I think doing that really caused me quite a lot of trauma. So I, I, I got a new therapist and dealt with a lot of that. I did it again in Edinburgh in 2019. I got a five-star review. I really faced my issues head on and performed it again and owned it. And I felt a lot happier with 
who I was after that experience. I've always said you've got to own your truth. And I know that sounds like a meme, but it is actually true. You really do need to know who you are. You need to know exactly who you are and be okay with that. That is not easy to do. And it sounds like it's meaningless, but it is 100,000% the secret to being happy, I think. And I'm not I'm not 100% there like with who I am. I don't think any of us are. We've always got to build on who we are. But I definitely know I'm annoying. <laughs> well. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I think that's funny. Yeah. I'm okay that I'm really needy. I don't care if I'm needy. I, yeah. I am. I know I'm not cured of destructive sexual behavior. No. I still have some destructual sexual behavior, I think. But I'm just channeling it at one person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rather than like 50. I think doing a podcast and talking about literally everything openly to everyone has really changed my life because there's nothing I can hide from anymore. So I can't go and date a guy and pretend that I'm innocent um, because I'm not. My boyfriend can listen to everything I've been through and his family can listen to everything I've been through. (laughs) Everyone knows everything. And I think that's probably where we should all be at. We should all be 100% open and honest about who we are, what we want, what we've been through. That's the only way we, we will connect with each other, whether it's sex, relationships, or everyone's collective journey with mental health. James spoke about mental liberation through honesty and how, through his work, he's done this. It got me thinking about my own relationship to casual sex and the times I haven't treated myself with respect. And I'm really nervous to share that. And I think it's because through fear of being honest or through the fact that if I start to unbox that, I'll have to do some real work on myself and my relationship to sex and love. But this is Queer AF. And I guess being honest and brave is equal to being queer. In truth, I've spent the last year claiming to address my issues with self-worth and body image by becoming more sexually empowered. But the reality is, I've shunned committed relationships and I've been engaging in more sexual promiscuity. Hearing James open up about this triggered something in me. He made me realize that the negative behavior he was talking about was something that I'm currently engaging in. Do you know what's so weird while we're having this conversation? So when we started doing this, I was—I I knew the episode I wanted to make for this. I feel like I'm pulling away the fourth wall here, but I knew I wanted to talk about dating and sex and mental health, but I wasn't sure why I wanted to make that. And then while we're talking, I realized for me, it is the same conversation as what I did last year. Last year, I opened up about food and my mental health in a way that I was punishing myself through food and body image in a really destructive way. And when I look at sex and dating, I kind of do the same thing. And I guess as we're having this conversation, I'm realizing that's probably why I wanted to make this. It's kind of like a the next layer that I need to peel back and start to address. That's really cool. Yeah. And I have not helped. <laughs> so wait, am I a producer now as well? Yeah. You're going to get just a contributor. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's true for, I guess that's true for me too. I think that's what I've done. I think I've looked behind the curtain and I've dealt with some abuse and I've dealt with some trauma that I had in my little brain. I've released it. I've like faced my demons a bit and now I'm able to, now I am able to sort of celebrate them a bit more. Putting that out there is scary, but addressing this is big for me. I'm sitting here telling you that I don't want to find someone, but is that because I've got a negative relationship to love or to sex? 
Or to both? I mean, RuPaul said it. You can't love somebody else unless you love yourself. And I've always hated that statement because I genuinely think we're all constantly working on ourselves. So with that logic, you're never going to be able to date or be with anyone. So with all of this on my mind, I wanted to speak to someone who has a completely different relationship to dating. So for me, I feel like being in a relationship, it's like having a teammate. I really love bouncing off another person. Like I love, love. That's life coach and UK Black Pride's Shar Bailey. I haven't seen you single. <laughs> Every know, time right? I've even either dating or in a relationship. Um, I really like dating. Yeah. I love women. Yeah. So much. I love sex so much. Yeah. I feel like I'm at an AA meeting. Like a no, meeting. I think it's all right because I work really well on my own. You are someone that seems to thrive in a relationship. Even, I think if you asked people who have been in a relationship with me what I'm like in a relationship, I'm very single oh really (laughs) so i'm very much a person of solitude i meditate all the time i spend the majority of the time that i have in life by myself i very much like my own company now you'll much rather see me on a saturday night in my bedroom meditating reading a book chilling with some incense on than being out in the party with like a group of people part of that is you know being autistic and part of that is just preferring my own company and yeah and the things that I want to achieve, I know that I have to achieve them from a really, you know, place of calm. So autism is the, I think, the main thing that affects my relationships because it affects the way I understand somebody else's emotions. And right. Like the key to a, 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 like a, a good relationship is understanding somebody else's emotions and how you impact them so that you can help. So when you start a new relationship, do you go in straight away and say, look, here's the situation? I say the most inappropriate things to women but not meaning them in a mean way so for example I went on a date and just talking to a girl about her hobbies and she was a banker so she was quite serious and she said that she loved to do yoga and I just said well you don't look like you do yoga but not in a mean way just in a (laughs) (laughs) just in a (laughs) well just said it (laughs) said it and she was so offended like my and I didn't mean that in a, I'm putting you down way. It's just a, yeah. I'm just being completely frank and honest. And I think one of the important things about dating is to remember that it's not that serious. And that when you form a relationship or a connection with somebody, it it can be something that's forever. It could be something that isn't forever. It could be for a short time. But yeah. it's really important to remember that when you're dating, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah, things about exploring another person, learning about another person, learning about yourself. Enjoy it. And if it doesn't work out, then that's okay. And if it does work out, then that's okay as well. So say you are having a tough time. Is that something you pull away from like dating or do you go in and say, look, this is where I'm at right now? I think it depends on the tough time. So if the tough time is as a result of dating previously, if they're you're still in love with somebody else or you're still very hurt by the way that another person has made you feel in a relationship sense, then I would always aim to heal from those hurt feelings before getting into something with someone else. You know, they're saying be careful when you get into a relationship because you don't want to bleed on somebody who hasn't cut you. You Oh, wow. I've never heard that, but that's great. But there is a sense of understanding yourself. So if I've 
ended a relationship because I'm unhappy, but I'm in a position where I feel good about myself. I know what I want from a person and I know where I'm headed. Then I'll absolutely be completely frank with that person and say, hey, I may have had a rubbish time with work, etc., or external things are going on, but I know that in my heart space, in my heart center, energetically, I'm attracting and ready for a person who can add value to my life and my relationships. And then that's fine. So it's just dependent on the type of hurt that you're navigating yeah. and whether that person is, you know, open to being a part of going through that process with you and on that journey with you, because you're never going to suddenly find the perfect person who's the finished article, because essentially... I don't want that person anyway because I want somebody who's going to grow with me. After a short break, Martin is back on his hashtag QueerAF journey to becoming happy and single. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Speaking with Shaw made me feel so good. She loves dating. And if I can pop a pin in the conversation of negative sex for a second, as I said earlier, I do too. And I really love the idea of not searching for this finished person. That really takes the pressure off. Because I feel like I'm still growing. And maybe that's perfect for someone else. Okay, so maybe it's safe to go back into the water. And having a little swim in the dating pool isn't so bad. But... The act itself can sometimes be a little terrifying. It can often be a little difficult remaining upbeat after your fifth failed date of the month. I wanted to chat to someone who is always giving out positive vibes. Who, like me, is single and swiping. So we're going to talk about dating. Mm. Are you single? I am single. What? <laughs> <laughs> I am single, thank you, yeah. Kathy. Dominic Evans, also known as Dominic, is an author and illustrator whose book, Free to Be Me, was this summer's must-have positive page-turner. It's like the Hunger Games. You men to talk to like 15 different people at one time, date them at the same time, then you whittle them down to like the final three, and then they whittle that down to one, and then they're either with them for a while, and they get, you know, a nice little flat in Waltham Stowe, or it lasts two months, and they start again. Yeah, it's and one or the other. There's no great Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like that or the other. So I was fine. I remember like when I first moved here, I went on a date with a guy, and we were chatting, he's like, is it fair to let you know that you've got some competition? And I was like... What do you mean? 
well, I was sleeping with a guy recently and I've been seeing him for like three weeks and I'm on a date with you. And I was like, oh, right, okay. But for me, it was, I mean, it was refreshing that he was honest. Which is cool that we're quite smart about dating, that yeah. we're like, here's, here's all my rules and here's all my baggage. Fair but enough. It also feels a little bit clinical. I almost felt like sometimes it's people are trying to network rather than go on a date with me. So New Year's Day, I rejoined Tinder. But normally, I put my Instagram on it now, but I never used to put it on. But then I found there's no point anyway because people look at Instagram and then they'll see things that have happened and then you go for a drink with them and they see my right and then literally three hours in they're like, something about writing a book but I need a literary agent. Oh. And they're like, have you got one? And I'm like, yeah. And then they start pitching their book to me about, I don't know, the sad beaver lost down the creek or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I'm there with my Pinot Grigio like, bloody hell, because I just get me out of this room right now. And, not, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't help you. I can't get That's you That's why book, you're here you know? today. Yeah. I was like, I'm <laughs> yeah. idea for a book. <laughs> I'd get, listen, if it's about a sad beaver going down the creek, yeah. then I would pull that forward. That'd be great. How do you handle single life? I don't even feel like I need to handle it because for me, it's just life. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like single life is great. You know, I throw in a dash of social interaction with loads of my friends. I'll go to the cinema. I'll read a cute book. I'll watch Real Housewives of <laughs> Sometimes at Christmas it's a bit weird. A lot of my mates from up north moved to London, like right before I did. So I was quite lucky that when I got here I had a crew. But when we all meet up at Christmas, like everyone, I mean, they're all straight. There's like probably about 12 of us, but they're all... Uh, engaged or married or in long-term relationships yeah and all like own properties and stuff yeah and i'm there just really happy with my hey you subscription <laughs> <laughs> and the fact i've got someone to pull a cracker with at the christmas yeah dinner. that'll do i'm just like buzzing <laughs> but yeah it is weird i think in london as well though even whether you're in a relationship or not it can feel like a quite a lonely city sometimes even though it's buzzing and there's such a massive thing going on it can feel a little bit like especially when you do feel like you've just been dumped or you're going through a breakup or whatever, you kind of feel a bit shit about yourself. My personal thing is I, as a white cisgender gay man, I struggle with dating sometimes and with my mental health when dating applies to it and meeting someone. But on the flip side, in general, when you put it in a bigger picture, we're also extremely privileged because we are yeah. white cisgender gay men and we are not uh, non-binary or transitioning or um, of colour or disabled or a number of other factors that make up our beautiful community. And it can be more difficult for them, I think, sometimes as well. I struggle as it is being, you know, a bit femme and sounding like Mel B and <laughs> turning up with my little metallic <laughs> painted nails on. I struggle with that sometimes. Well, not struggle as in like I struggle for someone to get me. The, I feel like the ideal in London is if you're white and muscular and straight and have an All Saints crew neck t-shirt, you are the dream man. That's yeah. the vibe I've got. <laughs> Literally, that is it. This is a quote that my mum said to me when I came out of my first like relationship, proper relationship, which only lasted 10 months. But for me, I was like, it's marriage. <laughs> and I was about 21 and I was heartbroken. I'd been cheated on. I'd been hurt. It was really humiliating, lot of stuff. And my mum turned to me and said to me, and this is at a time that she wasn't very 100% with me being gay. And she went, Dominic, rejection is protection. And it is something that I've applied to every single thing in my life ever since when it comes to dating, relationships, work, anything, opportunities that I've missed out on. Rejection is protection. So I generally feel there's a reason that hasn't worked out. And that's just it. I think maybe because I've had some bad experiences and a little bit of heartache, I've been trying to protect myself. But ultimately, I've been doing it the wrong way around. Because swearing off love 
and stopping myself finding it, well, that's only limiting my own growth. One person who seems to have this whole love thing sussed is author, journalist, screenwriter, and the other 50% of your student pride hosting team, Juno Dawson. It was weird. So initially when I first came out, I'd been, I moved back to Brighton and very, very quickly I met a guy who turned out to be my boyfriend for a while because I wanted to see if there was still going to be a future for me as a trans woman and having a love life. And I wasn't sure if there were men out there who would be interested in dating me. Very quickly I learned there was. And I was with that guy. I won't name him because I've not asked permission, but I was with that guy for about nine months. And I was like, this is so easy. You know, who knew that just the first (laughs) man you went on a date with, you know, it was that simple. But then... I realized I was way too early in my transition to be focusing on a relationship. There's only so much you can do with your mental powers. And I couldn't navigate the first year of my transition and have a boyfriend. It was just impossible. So I ended things with him and it was fine. We're still friends. But then, so when I was ready, I sort of got back into dating. And that was when I realized it could be potentially a bit and well I think actually hazardous is the right word which is you know there were men who were giving me fake names there were married men who were telling me they weren't married um there were men who were unwilling to be seen with me in public places or were very shifty about seeing being seen with me in public places so that's when I realized oh this is a whole other kind of kettle of fish kind of and that's when I sort of, I had to wise up a little bit that dating as a trans person can be really difficult. There are so few messages in the media at the moment telling trans and non-binary people that we are loved and that we are lovable. And actually, you know, since I came out, what, five, six years ago, you know, I have had every kind of love. You know, I've had love from my family, love from my friends, love from partners. And I went into this transition kind of thinking, well, it might just be you by yourself forever. And that just wasn't true at all. So I'm not going to lie and say that dating as a trans person is a walk in the park, but there is definitely love out there. You wrote in your book about when you were young and all you saw on TV was about AIDS Mm. and HIV. And how do you think that has impacted us as LGBT people? Oh my God. I mean, yeah, you couldn't be an adolescent who grew up through the 80s or 90s without really being told in lots of different ways, even through the mainstream media, which is incredibly powerful, that you're probably going to die. And I think we, as a generation, we don't, I don't think we can really exaggerate how deep that has gone, that we were all trained to equate sex with death. I mean, certainly I did. And I sometimes you know, look at where I am now, you know, I'm 38 now and just sort of think, you know, you survived a plague. Yeah. And I slightly think there's almost a lingering bit of survivor guilt now, yeah. which is if, you know, that somehow our generation, we got through the darkest period. We we are in a place now where undetectable means untransmittable, where HIV is not a death sentence. We somehow, you know, we did it. What next? Yeah. You know, because we've only just got there literally in the last two or three years. So as a community now, it's a bit like, well, 
what now? You know, what 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 do we make of it now? And you know, can are we free now to enjoy sex in the same way that straight and cis people have always been able to enjoy sex? Yeah, because I was talking to James about it. We both kind of agreed on using sex to damage ourselves sometimes, especially when we've had low points, like having really risky mm. sex. And it's almost like we've always had this thing that could sort of punish us and we would use it in that way but I think now again because we have prep now it's mm. kind of taken that away but because we have that now it's almost we can we can cover ourselves and go well even if I get in a really low point as long as I'm taking prep every day I'm kind of protected in case I make any mistakes I'm reading a really interesting book and I'm going to shout out it's Sarah Pascoe's new book it's uh -huh. called Sex Money Power and it is a look at the correlation between evolution and sex and also sex work um but the first few chapters are really interesting and she does explore you know is there a difference in the sexual behaviors of men and women and it turns out there are some really reasonable genetic and evolutionary reasons why men and women have slightly different attitudes to sex and so actually if you are looking at cis gay men mm -hmm. who are not having sex with women why wouldn't they have slightly different roles you know, nobody, nobody's going to be getting pregnant. There's, there's no children to raise in that immediate situation. So I think possibly as a community, especially now that the shadow of HIV has somewhat evolved, if not gone, I think where's the harm? Yeah. And possibly what we should in, in fact be doing is saying rather than shaming gay men for being promiscuous, we should be encouraging everybody to be more promiscuous. <laughs> as long as you are safe, everybody's consenting to everything. And I think possibly that's what has been different for gay and trans people historically, which is that element of shame, which is that element of this isn't right or this isn't normal. And of course, if you're gay, having sex with other gay people, it's as normal as the day is long. Yeah. And as a friend very wisely once told me, it's like chocolate. Chocolate in itself is not intrinsically bad or good. It's about an individual's relationship with the chocolate. <laughs> Are you able just to dip in and out and have a little bit of chocolate as part of a healthy balanced diet? Or are you gorging on chocolate 93 times a day and it's making you really sick? And I think the same is true of sex. It's about an individual's relationship with sex and with intimacy. All right, let's talk about love real love. quick. So I said to you before we started this that I think you've become the poster child for uh, oh God, no. <laughs> for sort of uh, love and happiness and you've got it all together and successful and we have to talk about the fact that you're now engaged. Yeah, well, you know, I, I was looking to meet someone. I was looking for a monogamous relationship and I think I'm wary of the poster girl kind of position because, you know, heteronormative monogamy isn't for everyone and you know I have a friend down in Brighton who lives with me and he got married to his husband last year very quickly they realized it wasn't working and they split up and through that he realized do you know what monogamy just not for me mm. and that's fine I was looking for monogamy I've been really really happy with Max the last two years I figured you know, for as far as I can see into the future, I want to be with Max. So it makes sense for us, I guess, to have a ceremony and a party. For me, there's that whole thing of you go, I'm never going to get married when you're a kid. I'm never going to have children. And your parents don't realise why you're so sad. And you're like, because I've realised that I'm never going to have all them things I'm looking at. And but you, you can have And now we know things. we can. Yeah. And you have achieved that. Does that feel nice? Yeah. And I mean, and, you know, many, many LGBTQ couples before me have achieved it. But I, again, I would say 
it's not necessarily the the end goal. And I think we have to be very, very careful sort of setting these goals for ourselves because what we do, and it's human nature, is as soon as you achieve one goal, you just set yourself another one. Yeah. And I think this is why a lot of marriages kind of end within the first couple of years because that kind of becomes the end goal. And But, but then what? You yeah. know, the, the, the end goal for Max and I isn't to get married. It's to have a marriage and to make that work for the foreseeable future. And very much going into 2020, my philosophy is one of looking for contentment rather than bliss or joy. And I think actually, you know, we put a lot of way on searching for, you know, eternal <laughs> like gratitude and love and well actually no because you're never going to get there so I think I've realized what I'm looking for is that day where there's just nothing to worry about a day where you know I go to bed sort of fine actually and I think possibly this is the problem that has stemmed from Instagram and social media, which is we're constantly comparing ourselves to people living this bliss. Yeah. And it, that's impossible. Don't aspire to the big white wedding or the big car or the big house. Aspire to going to bed warm and full and content. I think I could settle for content. But I'm not going to get there by giving myself so many rules. Maybe I will meet the one. Maybe I won't. But I am taking the pressure off. I'm not giving myself any more expectations. And I certainly won't be making relationship goals based on generations gone by. Growing up, I didn't think I would have all these awesome opportunities to celebrate love. So I would probably be doing myself a little disservice if I ruled them out at this stage. Yes, love is torturous and dating can be hard, but that's nothing new for LGBT people. Talking about my sexual behavior and why I behave this way is scary. But I now know that I need to look at my relationship to sex and start to address it with self-care. I guess the big thing I realized is that, no, you don't need someone else to complete you. But equally, you don't need to be fully complete to be with someone else. What the Pox is back next week with a look at how different parts of the UK are managing this monkeypox outbreak. I think the weirdest part for me was the fact that we all got handed a raffle ticket to start with. I did feel like I was at a village fate tombola, that I was number 164 in the queue. We were told from my point that time in the morning, it'd be about two and a half hour wait, which seems like a lot, but I've queued for three hours to get on Nemesis to Alton Towers, so it didn't bother me. If you enjoyed this episode of Query F, great. There are four seasons you can go and enjoy. Just search Query F in your favorite podcast app, and we've even put some links in the show notes. Now remember, What the Pox is a Queer AF production. And this episode was one of my early audio commissions that helped me build my own portfolio. They also gave me my first paid audio commission. The idea is if more of us queers work in the industry, the better chance we have at changing it. So they're helping queer creatives start and build media careers. You can support this 
Plus, skip the doom scrolling and understand the LGBTQIA news with their free weekly newsletter. And if you think they've earned it, chip in for the price of a coffee or a pride t-shirt with a Queer AF membership. All the details can be found at wearequeeraf.com forward slash membership. We are Queer AF, and so are you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 